I mean, Midwest weather update, the sun is shining. That makes a huge difference on mood. It does. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're talking about books we've recently read according to our moods. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest reads, and have book talk about how we may or may not be literary judgers. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media or both. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. It's the first Tuesday of the month, so we wanted to take the time to invite you to join the Book Talk Etc. Patreon. Our Patreon community means so much to us and your support allows us to keep doing what we do and take on bigger projects. It's $5 a month, and in addition to all of our new bonus content, you'll get access to everything we've shared thus far. This includes our 10 bonus episodes, patron connection guide, devil loves list, master spreadsheet, private Facebook group, and all of our other previous posts. You will also get invites to our upcoming Mood Reader Happy Hours and Backlist Book Club meetings. And today, if you sign up, I sound so salesy, but I'm very excited about this. (laughs) You'll get an invite to our second year spoilers event. Author Carola Lovering is joining us on Zoom to have a spoiler-filled chat about her book, Too Good to Be True. This patron-only event will take place tomorrow, Wednesday, March 2nd at 7 p.m. Central. And if you can't join us live, it will be recorded and released as a bonus episode. If all of this sounds like something you'd be interested in, head to patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. to sign up. Hey, Renee, how are you? Hi, I am doing great. Yeah, I mean, just hearing you say that, I was like, gosh, we have a lot of bonus extras. And I'm really proud of what we have provided on our Patreon, so... Me too. I think I was counting. I'm like, heck yeah, because it's only been since September. Right. I was like, there's a lot. There's a lot going on over there. There is. Is anything new with you? Well, no. I mean, just, uh, gosh, very busy. (laughs) And it's like one (laughs) of those times where I'm like, I I just can't wait for mid-April when my day job lightens up just a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, I can get recalibrated. And for some reason, every single year, February is my worst reading month every year. Oh, really? And I, yes, I think it has something to do with coming off of the post New Year's high. Like I'm like ready to go in New Year's. I'm like, it's January. I'm reading all these books, whatever. February, every year my reading tanks. Up until this weekend, I only had finished three books and we're, it's February 20th when we're recording. For me, that's like unheard of. (laughs) So it was stressing (laughs) me out, which it's not, it doesn't make any sense, but I was like, oh, I need to get something going here. Well, I mean, my month is going a lot slower reading-wise than January. January, that is my most read books ever month. I I don't even know how that happened. You did like 15 or something. Yeah. I think I read 14 or 15. Yeah. and With COVID. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I know. And I did slow down when I had COVID. Because Mm -hmm. it was hard to, to concentrate. I don't even know how that happened. But this month... I was like, oh, I was making my list. I'm like, oh gosh, 
have like five or six <laughs> so far and it's almost the end mm-hmm. of the month. But yeah, mine have been slow. Like I've been slowly getting through some, but luckily yesterday I just finished two that I had been working on for at least a month. And it's nothing against the book. It's just the time of year. So Right. I, I mean, and it's I had a lot of DNFs in early February. Oh, and that that's too. and that's okay. But you know, I started to get frustrated with Yeah. The I'm smiling because Renee Talk Renee must have DNF 15, 15 books. Let's, oh, I don't think that's a hyperbole. Like, it was a lot of books. <laughs> and it really felt like, okay, this is the curse of being a mood reader right now. Yeah, and yeah. I was just getting frustrated. But it's passed. I, I, I've come out of it. And, You've come out of the dark. And Yes. <laughs> All, right, All right. Well, what have you been loving lately? My loving lately, I think you will like as well. Okay. And I don't even know. I can't tell you how I stumbled across this, but it is a skincare YouTube channel. I just discovered them like probably two weeks ago, and it's called Dr. Lee. And it's run by two board-certified dermatologists, Dr. Shaw and Dr. Maxfield. And what I like about them, their motto is education, not influence. And I'm kind of a science nerd. Like I really like the science behind why these things work. And they discuss evidence-based skincare, dermatology, and medicine. And basically, their goal is to provide accurate information with full transparency. And I think they're a little different from influencers because they don't just tell you like, okay, I really like this brand that, oh, happens to be sponsoring us, which, you know, a lot of times, if you know the influencer, it is an authentic recommendation. But instead, they tell you what the specific products do. So they have a whole episode on retinol and retinoids, a whole episode on vitamin C. And like they give you a ton of different products, like brands, at different price points. And it's really nice. Like some of it's drugstore. Some of it's like I spent, uh, I think, 35 bucks at Sephora over the weekend on four skincare products because it was the ordinary, I think. And yeah, I was like, okay, this is pretty great. But yeah, they basically also make these funny videos where they're debunking certain viral trends. Like on TikTok, people were like putting lemons on their face and like they get into the science behind why certain trends are not going to work. They actually did this whole in-depth video on the path to becoming a dermatologist from, you know, undergrad to getting into med school to the many, many years of school it takes and all of the training they do. I thought it was fascinating. Hmm. I work in graduate education, like in admissions. And so listening to them talk about admissions into med school, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. The internship phase, all of that. I was like very niche. (laughs) But if anybody here has somebody that wants to go to medical school, it was a good video. But yeah, if you're interested in learning more about skincare and find that sort of thing interesting, definitely take a look at them. And they're funny too. They kind of play off each other well. Like it's not just all like very science. Like it's kind of casual, but also informative. And this one's a YouTube channel. Doctorly. Oh, that's really interesting. You keep, you find the neatest YouTube channels. I love YouTube. Me and John, yeah, Jonathan and I are big YouTube watchers. Like oh. we watch YouTube more than probably regular TV. Although now lately with everything that's been coming out on Netflix, I'm like in a love is blind rabbit hole. And oh my oh, gosh, man. there's so many good things out. <laughs> I know. I've really I... like dove headfirst into television lately. I have not had a chance to watch that yet, and it's killing me because I I just haven't had time. I know once I start it, I'm going to want to binge every single mm-hmm. episode, and yeah. and I needed to read, so I'm I'm holding off. But I want to watch it yeah. so bad. Did you finish it? No. Oh, okay. they just came out with maybe four or five new episodes as of this recording last on Friday. So I have not finished the, the season. Okay, so I have no it. idea if people are still together. Oh, okay. Oh, what do you got for us? 
Well, I am bringing this week my favorite tinted moisturizer. I know you brought yours a while ago, and I want to bring mine today. It's Bare Minerals Complexion Rescue Tinted Moisturizer with Hyaluronic Mm -hmm. Acid and a Mineral SPF of 30. I have used this for several years. I love it. I swear by it. It is very hydrating. It feels very light. So you could, if you just put it on once, you can get very sheer coverage, but it covers. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you can layer it if you want some more coverage. I usually just, you know, put on one layer and I'm good with that. I also recommend using their foundation brush. Oh, okay. I was going to ask how yes. to put it, how you put it on. Mm-hmm. I definitely use that and I love it because it's very light and it I don't feel like I'm tugging and pushing with my fingers. I don't know. I just really like it. I love the consistency of this. I love that it doesn't bother my skin at all because I can tend to have sensitive skin mm-hmm. and I get sunscreen without feeling like I'm wearing any sunscreen. I mean, this is really, this has taken over. I don't use a separate foundation anymore. I just use this and I love mm-hmm. it. And really I'll link to my shade. Um, I'm, I'm fair skin. They have a lot of shades. Oh, good. If you can get matched, if you have a bare mineral store or a Sephora, I mean, that would probably be best, but they have a lot of tips and tricks and ways of matching yourself online. So that's always a possibility, but I really, really like this. I really recommend it. And I did see that they now offer it in mini sizes, so that's always okay. an option. That is nice. Yeah. To, to try, try out. out. Yeah. So that's Bare Minerals Complexion Rescue Tinted Moisturizer. They have good stuff. I used to really love their lip gloss. I have not bought anything from them in many years for no reason, but I know they have good makeup. I kind of forget about them, I think. Yeah. I really do think it's helped my skin. I mean, they say that over time, this is beneficial I'm using their products. Oh, nice. I use their, not their pressed powder. But they're foundation powder, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's very lightweight. I use that too. There's a bonus. There's a bonus loving. Do you lately. get it? A bonus loving. Lately. Do you go to Sephora for that? We have a bare mineral store, and oh, I okay. so That's I think I that. originally went there and got mm-hmm. matched. But then if I need to reorder, yeah, I'll reorder on Sephora or maybe Ulta. Maybe I think they carry it. All right. Let's get into latest reads. I mean, mine is one that I thought I would love. It took me six weeks to read for no reason. Oh, oh <laughs> it took no. Me forever. Okay. So it's Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism by Amanda Montel. Okay. And I don't know what my problem was. I I liked it when I was listening to it, but I never wanted to pick it up, if that makes sense. Oh. But it was not, it's not a bad book. I, I okay. wanted to finish, but I was just like, no, not today. <laughs> I'm not reading this today. I don't know why. So let me tell you about it. I listened to it as I tend to do with nonfiction. And I think the problem was I didn't like the narration that much. It was okay, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like, it wasn't great, I guess. And okay. I also think I was expecting something different from the book. So what this is, is an exploration about the language of cults and cult-like entities. And basically, they talk about actual cults like Jonestown, but they also, she parlays this to things like SoulCycle and social media gurus and MLMs and how they use language as the ultimate form of power. And she is a linguist. She has done some of her, you know, she talks about the people that she interviewed for the book and She basically breaks down how people get involved into these different organizations and why it can be so appealing for them. 
I liked a lot of the points that she made. For example, how loneliness is an epidemic and people Mm. can sometimes be so desperate to connect that they are happy to be picked up by like a cult-like thing, like an MLM, for example, or whatever. And it Sometimes she talked about how for some people it's nice to be told what to do and like to feel like you don't have that many choices to make. And I got that. Like I understood mm-hmm. where, you know, what she was talking about when she said that. I will say the author is very present in the book and it threw me off when I was reading nonfiction. And when I say she's present, she's talking about the people she interviewed. I think she said her father was in a cult. Didn't get into detail about that. She kept saying more about that in chapter five. More about this later on. And oh, I'm like, just, just tell us. Just tell us now or don't like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. it was, took me out of it, I guess. So this book is not a rundown of the big cult scandals. It does mention them. But again, really, it unpacks the difference between close, inclusive groups and things that are cult-like and how to look at the language to tell the difference. I did really like the parts about MLMs, especially some of the bigger ones like Amway, the people that own Amway are multi-billionaires and they're involved in politics. And she did a great job illustrating just how deep-seated cultish organizations are in society. I like this. I, I wish I loved it. I didn't. But mm-hmm. I, I do still think if you are interested in cults, give it a shot. I think this would have worked better in print. A lot of my trusted sources really enjoyed it. And Brett at Brett's Bookstack did an awesome reel about this book where he's basically parodying a cult leader. And like, he was so funny. So we'll link to that because that really made me laugh. But the book was Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism by Amanda Montel. Okay. Well, every now and then, you know, we get one of those middle of the road average Mm -hmm. reads. It's, I don't know. I just didn't do it for me, I guess. And that's okay. I I have to stop, like, apologizing, I think, for books that didn't work for me. Like, it's okay. No, it is (laughs) okay. As long as we explain why and, like, do so in a respectful way, I don't think I have to feel bad, right? Oh, no, not at all. But, yeah, I mean, it's almost like you say to yourself, maybe six weeks is a long time to spend on a book you're not that into. (laughs) Right. But right. yeah, you can't love everything. So it's it's true. It's perfectly fine. I did love my latest read. Good. And Good. I'm tell very excited it. to tell you about it. It's called I'm Judging You, the Do Better Manual by Love Ya Jai. And it was recommended to me by my friend Shauna. And I had mm-hmm. never heard of this author or this book. And she just recommended it to me a couple of days before this recording. And I immediately downloaded the audio and binged it in one afternoon. So you, it's very doable. It's not super long. I do recommend the audio. The author narrates this herself. She's a comedian, an activist, and a hugely popular culture blogger. And she serves up necessary advice for the common senseless in this hilarious <laughs> book of essays. And oh my gosh, there is nothing I like more than someone who is witty and articulate and observant and funny to talk about the lack of common sense in society and things. This was just such a perfect fit for me. So Mm -hmm. this is a book of essays, as I said, and she dissects our cultural obsessions, calls out bad behavior in our increasingly digital connected lives. She has various chapters from race, culture, friendship, social media, 
politics. I mean, you name it, she's probably has a chapter on it. What I really, really loved was she is very, very quick-witted, very snappy in her thoughts and what she says. Like, this is billed as a roadmap for bringing some quote unquote act right into our lives, social media, and popular culture. It's really hard to describe, but I even think this would be so good for book clubs or or buddy reads because I, and I'm going to, and Shauna and I are going to talk about it. She's still reading it. And so I was messaging her and she's like, I haven't even got to those parts. So of course I'm done with it. And I was going to say you lapped her. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, I can't wait till she finishes. It's going to, it's going to be fun to talk about. What I really loved, my favorite chapters were on friendship. So she talks about different types of friends. And if you are that type of friend, she's judging you. And <laughs> and you should kind of judge yourself if you find yourself acting like that. I love the sections on race. I love the sections on social media and reality TV. Mm. Oh, observations on reality TV I hadn't even thought about. One of my favorite quotes on social media, people who go on and overshare on Facebook and Instagram, she said, you're basically quote, giving people a 24-hour seat to your house full of dirty laundry. <laughs> and But but then Look. she'll also say, oh, don't worry. I've got my popcorn. I'm sitting here reading all about these train wrecks because people post everything and other people get sucked into it. And I really, really love I think if you're in the mood for something light yet deep, she makes a lot of very observant, culturally takes on our culture that were things that I hadn't even thought of. And she she brings in a different perspective. But she's also someone that I wish I could sit down and and have a glass of wine with because I was cracking up. I was I was listening to this on a very long walk and I was laughing to myself at so many parts. <laughs> Just um really, really good. I highly recommend this one. And that was I'm Judging You, the Do Better Manual by Lavya Jai. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I know her from Twitter, actually. She's got a great Twitter Oh, really? Mm hmm. So oh, I'm, I'm going to have to follow her on books. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. She's good. Okay. That like parlays really nicely into our book talk yes, for today. Exactly. Oh, gosh. So today we're talking about being book judgy. And how are how we are book judgers and how do we do it? Covers, is it buzzwords, all sorts of literary snap judgments. Yes. And this book did make me think about how much of a judger I am when it comes to all things literary. And immediately I thought, here's what I judge: book covers, <laughs> yep, mm -hmm. titles, mm -hmm. genres, authors. How do you judge? How do I judge authors? Yeah, yeah. Well, if an author writes in a certain genre, I might automatically think or if I if I read a book by an author and I didn't like it, then I automatically will think, "Well, I don't I'm not going to like anything that they wrote that they Got write in the future." Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Right. I thought you meant you were like, "No, I don't like that lady." <laughs> she <looked> no. <laughs> no, I'm judging. I'm prejudging maybe yeah. based on even maybe what I've heard, or if they've been known to be a literary writer, then yes. maybe I automatic yes. I'll automatically assume I won't like the writing or something. Same. These are just mm -hmm. really, really quick snap judgments. I was trying yeah. to think of what do I do? And those are some of the things that I judge quickly. What about mm -hmm. you? Same. Same with covers, especially. And I was, tr I was trying to really 
think about why do I care about a good, bad cover? What does it matter? It doesn't. In the grand scheme, right? The book is the book, but like the cover matters less. However, it does matter because it's not that I want to collect it because it's beautiful, which could be the case in some instances, but more so we have so many choices that we use the cover to help us understand what the book will be like. And I mean, there is an entire industry of cover designers and artists and all sorts of things. But I swear, I thought about, wow, the resources, because sometimes when I see a book that I can tell is maybe self-published or like didn't have that dollar behind it, I hate to say this, but I'm like, oh, it's probably not for me. I might not like this book, but like Mm -hmm. that sucks because (laughs) it could be that this book is awesome. It just didn't have the right dollar amount behind it to get the cover that they might have wanted or to get the marketing behind it. A book that recently, and it's not always ones that you can tell that maybe didn't have as much uh, marketing dollars behind it. Sometimes I just don't like the cover. One that came out recently that I immediately wrote off was Vladimir by Julia Mae Jones. Oh, you wrote that off, huh? I wrote that off. I don't need a, yeah, in my head, I'm like, I don't need a bodice ripper. I don't care. This guy, so it's a picture of the shirtless guy with no face on it. I'm like, yeah, no, (laughs) that's not for me. Not for me at all. Until I read some reviews and found out that it's about academia and it's about a woman who's basically, I guess, is she lusting over one of her students or somebody? I think that's in what the ends up happening. Yes. I think, yeah. I think she ends but up having an, a little bit of an obsession. Yeah. Yes. And obs- I, and then I read more into it. I was like, okay, I could maybe be talked into that. So I thought that was an interesting example. And I, but th- I will say people have been talking about that cover. So maybe it did a good job I, because I really enjoyed I kind of, I really enjoyed that cover. Did you? Okay. I will say that. You would. Yeah. <laughs> Here's an example of a cover I absolutely hate so much. Oh, what? Well, and I'll tell you, Darren, my husband, just got me an autographed copy of A Little Life for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't have I can't have that on my five-star bookshelf. I can't look at that cover. And unfortunately, the it um wraps over to the side. It wraps over to the side. It's uh-huh. on the the face his the face is on the spine and I cannot. So I had to take the cover off so that I could put it on my five-star bookshelf. Oh my gosh. I know. I, I can't. I cannot look at that cover. I hate that cover <laughs> so much. And I oh my god. I almost didn't read the book because of that cover. Right. Mm-hmm. right? I, yeah. yeah. It's a picture of this guy and his face is all kind of screwed up and you can tell he's really in pain, but it's a very, very close-up shot of somebody in agony, basically. But guess what? And That's not... What? What the, that's not what that photograph is. What is Even it? though that is exactly what it looks like. Is he? Oh, is he? Uh huh. It's oh. another. <laughs> How do you know? Because I because I read so many interviews with the author and oh she explained god. it. Oh my god! I thought he was like in pain. I didn't. Oh yeah. It was now that. see if oh, you can bad. look. Now see if you want that cover <laughs> on your bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Okay, wow. Go back um, and well, and check that cover out with new oh, eyes. Oh, I can picture Tina. it, baby. <laughs> I can picture it. Don't. Yeah. Okay. I, well, now I'm going to look I at wish it a little I, differently. I wish I wouldn't have known that. That's information I would rather I think, not have known. Yeah, all of us probably now feel the same. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thoughtful gift though. <laughs> Very thoughtful gift. But can I tell you something really quickly? Yeah. And I'm judging now. I'm judging the author. Because do you know what type of signature she has? No. A literal squiggle line. Oh, yeah. I opened it up and I was like, I was like, what? Oh my 
It doesn't even look. It looks like it, it looks like anything. a it looks like a squiggle mount like a mountain. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was like, how dare Hera has a lot of letters though, a lot of peaks and valleys. So I can see why she just. But it wasn't you know, even her full name. It was it was two squiggle. It was two yeah. tiny hills, and I yeah. I just I feel like that's very unfair to. <laughs> For read, ma'am. Like, if you could change your signature to something that I can read, that would could be we read? Is you. it too much to ask if we could read the signature? Yes, probably. Really? Okay. I'm be- I'm being too. I'm being too. You're being judgy. particular. I'm being too picky and particular. No, but- I think you are particular, and I think that's a really good thing about you, though. I really think that's like, and that's why you pick such good books to bring to the podcast because you are particular and you'll DNF ten. Whereas I'm like, no, baby, I look, I got to finish this book because I need a latest read. <laughs> anyway, I actually did not like the cover of my latest read, Cultish. It was eye catching for sure. It had like UFOs and kind of a '70s vibe to it, but I was like, Whoa. it did not do it. No, for me. okay. Oh my gosh, I feel bad for that book. I'm like ki- uh, kicking it. Anything else on covers? No, not really. But which do you think you're more judgy towards, the cover or a title? <sighs> cover for me. Okay. I'm more of a visual person. So I do think a cover will, um, if it's not something that captures my attention, I may be like, oh, no. Not even captures my attention, but more so if you notice, like if you stack mysteries together, if you stack women's fiction together, if you stack historical fiction together, you get the vibe. You get the spirit of what the book is likely going to be like. So if I see a cover that's got a woman facing away from it and airplanes in the sky, I'm like, no, that book's not for me because I know it's probably World War II or historical oh, fiction. Oh, interesting. Now, I could be obviously missing out on a huge swath of things that otherwise would entice me, but I'm like, no, I don't think that's for me. Okay. You know? Yeah. Isn't that crazy how fast we can make those judgments in our heads? Well, I think it ties into intuition. So I love that as a concept. I've studied intuition a little bit. And basically, there's all these different pieces of information that our brain is taking in about certain things. And like, if you read enough, you are going to automatically kind of become an expert almost in the types of books you like. And so your intuition, like whether or not you realize it, you're you're like making connections between other books that you've read. So it's kind of helping you weed out ones that might not be for you and find ones that you might like. However, in doing so, I think it's I think it's good to be aware of our literary snap judgments so that you're not inadvertently cutting yourself off from a ton of books that might actually work for you because you assume that you won't like them. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm wondering if as far as audiobooks go, do people mm. are people audiobooks, e-readers, are we judging the types of formats that people choose to read on? I think sometimes Sometimes people do judge others oh, for or sure. judge like there's that whole is audiobook are audiobooks actually reading sort of mm-hmm. you know well it I goes back and different. forth my thing is i would never judge somebody else for what they read like read what you want and of mm-hmm. course audiobooks counts as reading you know something i don't like in titles i don't like names like the seven and a half deaths of evelyn hugo or evelyn oh. hardcastle See, I just conflated well, the two they're titles. Bo- they're both yeah. similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you don't like putting the names or the number no. seven? Oh, e- no, oh, no, both. no. Like, okay, for example, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Like, I don't need the full t- first Got it. I don't know why. Like, it doesn't do it for me. I saw I saw Taylor Jenkins Reid has a new book coming out about Carrie Soto. Uh-huh. And I saw her name was in the title. And I was like, oh, I hate that title. <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> 
It's That's just a weird so thing. Funny. Now, of course, I will still read it, but I was like, I don't love a title in the, like a, a person's name in the title. I'm curious what type of publishing or actually marketing decision that is. What do you think? Because now that you say that, there is a lot of titles with full names in them, or like yeah. you said, Vladimir, just one name. What do you, I wonder what that yeah. is with names. I don't know. You know what? I don't mind Vladimir. I don't mind that as a title. You don't mind Even a single name? A, I guess not. I think I I don't like it when it's super long. Not super long, but it's specific. Like Carrie. I don't mind Carrie. Stephen King's Carrie. Don't mind that. Okay. Single word. Well, that's single. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like uh, names and titles or you don't care? I don't really care, actually. Okay. But I, I don't like super long titles. I don't know why. I, sometimes it makes me feel like... <laughs> Now and I, I just literally thought of this. It makes me feel like the book is going to be too wordy, and that makes no that makes no sense. Fair enough, though. Why but not? there's something about long titles. I would I like shorter, kind of snappier titles. And you know what I thought mm-hmm. of? A kind worth killing. I love that title. Okay. Great title. Great. And title. I love that yes. book. Uh huh. Do you know what title I don't like? My grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry. I think I have that right. You got that right. And mm-hmm. turns out I hated that book. Right. Well, Frederick Bachman. So <laughs> you only like Bear Town, I think, right? Exactly. I'm with you. I don't mind longer titles, but it has to have something that is noteworthy. So I'm thinking, In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife. I liked that title a lot. I That one caught my attention. But because the knife in the dream stood out to me. Mm-hmm. The title of my first book that's going to be on my list is Wish You Were Gone. And I I don't even know if that's right. I mean, I, I assume it is because I did research before <laughs> bringing it. But when I was trying to take notes and look this book up, I called it 10 different things. I don't like titles with a bunch of pronouns is what it is. Like, Wish You oh. Were Gone, Me Versus You, You Versus Me, I Love You. Like, those things don't stick to my brain. Oh, interesting. And like, I just kind of wash over it. Yeah. Okay. Which is why I don't think I mind the girl because I can remember that. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Now it's Ooh, overused. I love that. Title. I mean, I think it's overused. The girl with the dragon tattoo is such a good title. It's, it's such a, really a good, title. good title. That's a great series. Yes, exactly. I mean, God, we're <laughs> what a non sequitur. Do you have any <laughs> do you have any final thoughts to wrap up book judginess? No, I don't. That that was fun. That was that a was... fun little aside though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, like, I mean, we really kind of jumped into this, not really even knowing what we wanted to talk about. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that because it makes me stop and think. I think at the end of the day, though, it's like know what your snap judgments are and don't allow that to like cut, you, exactly. cut yourself off from books that you might otherwise enjoy. Right. So let me dial in and just jump in and tell you about the book with the title I keep forgetting. <laughs> okay. It's Wish You Were Gone by Kieran Scott. I grabbed this one. I was in the mood for a thriller. I'm like, give me a thriller on audio, baby. That's all I want. And I had it downloaded on my phone. I had to drive a couple of hours one day last week. And I thought, let me just put this on. I knew literally nothing about it other than I had it. And on the author blurb, it said it was for fans of the TV show Dead to Me, which is why I think I downloaded it in the first place. Because I love that show. Yes. Yep. And the next thing I knew, I was at my destination. It had been an hour. And I was like, oh, I'm in it. Like, I'm into this book. So it opens with a literal bang. You have Emma Welsh, and she is shocked out of her sleep when she hears a noise downstairs and comes to find out that it's her husband. And he's just driven through the back of their garage, and he's dead. That's not a spoiler. It's in the oh. synopsis. But and so she basically is like, how the heck did this happen? And you come to find out very quickly what type of man he was. 
And I like that the author chose to not, because sometimes when characters die in the book, like the whole book is about how great this person was and like them rectifying their grief. Not the case with this guy. He was a jerk. He was a drunk. And he was pretty abusive to the family, verbally abusive. And I was expecting the wife to be super broken up about it. And while she was, she was also dealing with feelings of guilt for being like, oh, maybe I'm free now. Very interesting angle. And you can tell, too, this guy had a lot of issues, but also his children were afraid of him. They had a lot of issues. They're high schoolers, so they're older children, but they were like, you can tell that they had a lot of strife before uh, his life had ended. She was just about to confront James about his drinking, and we find out what led up to that night. He was an alcoholic. He had these rages, and basically she and her kids kind of feared for their life, but Obviously, she doesn't get the chance to express these things to him, and everything goes left unsaid. So they kind of are learning to live their life without his presence, and she leans very heavily on her two closest friends and basically tries to come to term with the knowledge that her husband's legacy as an upstanding business owner and family man was only able to be because so many people were willing to look the other way and keep his secret. He's super rich, and he was a sports agent. So he worked with like a lot of superstars. And so because he had this power and this high power job, a lot of people were like able, they were willing to turn the other cheek and not look mm-hmm. at what kind of person he actually was. What I liked is that this alternates between her perspective and that of some of her children and some of her friends. So it's definitely not just about Emma's perspective. You get into the minds of some of the other characters and they are definitely keeping their own secrets and something's off with their children. (laughs) Not off in like a personality necessarily, but like something's up, like something is up. I think that, well, when I was reading it, I was like, all right, somebody knows something and they're not talking. I'm like, what's happening here? You have to pay attention with this one I did like, I listened to it and there was alternating narrators. So you hear a lot of different voices with this. I did like some of the narrators better than the others, but I liked that element and I thought it added something extra to the listening experience. Here's where I'm going to get you. This book reminded me a ton of Big Little Lies in that it starts with the what happened and works its way backward. And it's in that type of setting. It's close-knit. They're all families are kind of connected to each other. I really liked this. This one just came out on February 22nd. I think this author has a lot of books that are in different, I think they're young adult books. I think this was her first adult book. And I thought it read super well. I'm very pleased. This was Wish You Were Gone by Kieran Scott. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. And I remember you teased me with uh, Big Little Lies. I had no idea. I couldn't figure out what you were reading. Yeah. And I don't say that lightly. I don't like comps if it's just a stretch. Like, I don't say that. I was literally listening and I'm like, what is this reminding me of? I was like, oh, I know exactly what it's reminding me of. So that's a a compliment for me. Okay. A lot of people are going to like that. I like the sound of that. And actually, I have a copy of that. But And the dead to me comparison got me. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, Mm because that's such a good show. Now, I didn't see that comparison as much, but I kind of understand where they were going for with that angle. I kind of saw it, but not— At least it wasn't totally off the wall then? It wasn't totally off the wall. It was more of a vibe. Okay. Okay, good. (laughs) Put it that way. All right. right, Well, so here's what I'm telling you I was in the mood for. for This this is—I think we did mention that, right? This was our mood reading. We could could read according to our moods. Mm -hmm. I was in the mood— for international crime. And you know how specific I can be. I'm shocked that you found one. (laughs) Oh, no, definitely. And here's the one I want to bring first. 
and it's called Pierced by Thomas Enger. And actually, I never, ever reread mysteries and thrillers. I read this in 2016, but I could not remember. The only thing I knew I remembered was that I loved the main character, Henning, so much, but I couldn't remember the plot. And I wanted to bring mm-hmm. that. I, I, I knew I wanted to bring this, and I decided to do a reread. I love I love this book. It is in translation. The translator was um, Charlotte Barsland, and this is set in Oslo. And Henning Jewel. This is the story of Henning Jewel. And I will say, this is book two of a, of a series. Um, by now, I think you know me. I don't mind that I didn't read the first book. Here's why: I tend to trust in authors to give me what I need to know, and I'm fine with that. And so I I have no problem starting with book two. So this is the story of Henning Jewell. He's an investigative crime journalist in Oslo whose son was killed in a fire at Henning's home. And that fire has left him scarred and disfigured. So little by little, it's taken him two years to come back from the brink of death. And he has just decided to return to work. Not long after he returns, he receives a call from a man named Tor, who's a convicted murderer, and he asks Henning to help prove his innocence, and in exchange, he will tell him who was behind the fire at his apartment that killed his son. Henning says yes and begins his own investigation into the murder for which Tor was convicted. Now, Suffice it to say, there are ruthless people who are not thrilled that Henning is turning over stones, and it's not long before he realizes people are after him, his life is at risk. So questions start to haunt him because he has no memory of the two week, two, two to three weeks preceding the fire. So he doesn't know what he was investigating, but he knows he was investigating something. And he knows that if he could only find out what he was investigating, he'll be able to figure out who was responsible for his son's death. And he also starts to wonder, has he made a deal with the devil by deciding to work with Tor? So there are several threads to the story, and they bring a wide variety of characters. There are so many intriguing backstories and storylines it sounds complex. It's kind of complex. And but so don't even try to figure it out. Just go with the story, go with the layered mystery. And um, I binged this. Uh, and once I got it, I still couldn't remember. I don't know why. I mean, I read a lot of mysteries and thrillers, but I got wrapped up in Henning all over again. I love this character. And here's something that I thought the author did a brilliant job of. Short chapters with cliffhanger endings. I love mm, that. I like that. I love it so much. So between that and the multidimensional characters, I was riveted. I love this setting. This is definitely a Scandinavian Nordic noir mystery thriller. So if you like those, I think you will like this. And if you really like to get lost in characters that you enjoy and you want that you can root for then give this a try. So this was an international crime fiction winner, and it was Pierced by Thomas Anger. Nice. That does sound really good. And I've never heard of this before. 
Yeah. Do you do you don't read a lot of Scandinavian thrillers, no. do you? No, I didn't think so I don't know why I would have <laughs> expected to have heard of it before. But I was like, huh, I, this is new. Did you listen to it, did you say, or did you read it? No, no, I read this one, I read, and I read it again. So, you know, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever really seen anyone talking about this author except for Abby mm-hmm. at Crime by the Book. She loves him. Mm, okay. okay. So if good you one. like her picks, too, then then definitely try this. Yeah, she's always good for Scandinavian fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, what do you have next? Well, I don't know how to transition out of that, but um, my <laughs> my next book is a rom-com. For some reason, you guys, I don't know what happened to me. Now, I got it out of my system, though, I will say. I got my rom-com. You've been in the mood for that. I know, but it's out of my system, and now I want something like dark and disturbing. But like before that, <laughs> I, let me tell you about this book. It's In a New York Minute by Kate Spencer. And this one is the one that I brought last week as the one I was currently reading. Happily, I just finished it. I love this author's podcast, Forever 35. So I wanted to support her, but also I was like, all right, this sounds good. And I we're, I really enjoyed it. I will say initially, I sa- I found some of the beginning scenes to be corny. Not bad, but I was like, oh, don't let the whole book be corny. That is literally just the setup. As soon as you get they, they get to meet face-to-face, you're good to go. I actually fell in love with these characters. I really enjoyed it. So you have Franny and Hayes and... They have a meet-cute on the subway train. The door closes on Franny and rips her dress. It's been a terrible day already for her. She's just been laid off, and now she is showing her butt to the passengers on this train. (laughs) (laughs) And she starts crying. She's, like, so upset, of course. And Hayes is standing right there. He's tall, handsome, and, you know, looks very put together. And he's like, whatever, here, you know, take my suit jacket. He doesn't seem to be very warm, but she was like, okay, you know, I'll take it. And it turns out it was a Gucci suit jacket. So that was not a, you know, cheap piece. She would love to give it back to him, but he basically runs off after giving it to her. And she's like, okay, I don't know how I'll ever connect with him again. But of course, somebody filmed their encounter and they become a social media sensation. And all of New York is in love with the hashtag Subway QTs. I was like, oh, my God. So anyway, they get brought to this morning show because the morning show is like, oh, it's kind of like their GMA. They're like, oh, this is so cute, you guys, or whatever. Like, go on a date. And they, like, orchestrate this date on the show. And they find out they don't have anything in common. <laughs> she is she is fanciful, talkative, and creative. And he is serious, shy, and he works in numbers. So he's kind of standoffish. And luckily, you know, they don't have to meet again. That was it. They've done their due diligence for the show. And yet, somehow, the universe keeps bringing them back together. And they come to find that they do enjoy each other's company. And they come to form this friendship. Where this book really took off for me was after their initial run-ins. And the story then goes deeper. And you come to know their personalities. You come to know who they are and why they are and their fears. Franny decides to start her own business. She's really focused on that. She's kind of worried, like, I just was laid off. I want to go out on my own and start my own thing. But obviously, there's startup costs, and it's hard. And Hayes is actually trying to date this woman who looks perfect on paper, and she he's trying to really work things out with her. I like the dialogue. I really loved the friend group. And they go on this picnic. I was drooling. <laughs> it's like free <laughs> cheese, and they had canned wine and salami. I'm like, oh, what I wouldn't give to go on a picnic right now like with my girlfriends. You know, it's like 20 degrees here still. <laughs> but this book is perfect for New York City in the summertime. 
It gave me a Sex in the City kind of vibe, oh, like oh. early days. Think okay. of Carrie's and all of them are just starting out, like, but like hipper and cooler, you know, okay. like a modern day version of that. Last week, I brought The Love Hypothesis, and I think if you liked that one, you very much will like this one. Though I will say, In a New York Minute is much less steamy, so for what that's worth. And this one comes out on March 15th. It's In a New York Minute by Kate Spencer. Okay, that sounds really good. I I have a copy of it, but I had no idea about the possible Sex in the City like vibes, vibes. Exactly. Not that it's a comp or anything, but mm-hmm. that means mm-hmm. I, I feel like I might wait till it gets a little bit warmer outside. Oh, it would be great. In like a springtime? Mm-hmm. Like I would love a springtime. That's what I'm going to do. I want more from these characters. Like it's one of those where I love this central, the two that it's about, but I'm like, wait, what about them over there? <laughs> like, Tell me more <laughs> about those characters over there. So maybe it could be like a series kind of. I was just going to say, like, do you think that it, it's set up to be where yeah. there'll be other, like a spinoff, other characters? I think spin-off. there could be very much a spinoff or more to this story. Absolutely. Okay, I good. like kind of wanted to DM Kate Spencer and be like, by the way, <laughs> I have <laughs> what, questions. Which, Please tell me. What are you me. doing with this story? Where's it going? Yeah, exactly. Can you... Sp- can you spoil things for me? Great. Thank you. Okay. All right. What about you? All right. Good. Well, I'm I'm back to another international crime thriller. Oh, okay. Cool. And I'm very, mm-hmm. very excited to tell you about this one. It's The Swimmer by Joachim Zander, translated by Elizabeth Clark Wessel. And this is a debut spy thriller. Ooh. I don't know how, yet again, something else that I missed because this came out in 2015, um, but I just found it. And it it's billed as Homeland meets Stieg Larsson. I got it. Mm-hmm. I'm there. Um, hello. I think that's pretty accurate, actually. I think it's fitting. Although this story was not as intense or fast-paced as either of those two comparisons. But even before I get started, I want to tell you, this is the one I told you that I think is a great comp for I Am Pilgrim fans okay, mm-hmm. who want the vibes of that type of story, that type of spy thriller, although this story is not at that level of complexity in plot because I Am Pilgrim was very complex. So in this story, you have Clara Waldine. And she was raised by her grandparents on a remote archipelago in the Baltic Sea. She spent her days fishing, hunting, sailing a boat. And in present day, she is an EU parliament aide in Brussels. And she's learning how to navigate the treacherous currents of international politics. Now, she the story is going to alternate between Clara's present day and someone else. And I will say... That someone else has the opening scene in this book. And I think if you read the opening scene and it grabs you, then then you're going to like this story because it's it's set in, I think, 1980 in Syria in the opening scene. And it's a stunner. It's like, wow, right into the suspense. But what we have is the person from the opening scene and then Clara. So... Clara's story is present day, and what ends up happening is she accidentally sees something that she shouldn't, and a laptop containing information so sensitive that someone will kill to keep hidden, and suddenly she's thrown into a terrifying chase across Europe, 
and she has no idea who is hunting her or why. Meanwhile, in Virginia, you have an old spy who is hiding from his past, and he may have to come out of the dark as he is the only one who can save Clara. So he is he is the guy from the opening scene. So what this story does is quickly alternates timelines and locations between the past of the CIA spy who opens the story and the present with Clara. And eventually the two timelines will intersect. It's very, very good. This also is very short chapters, really short chapters. I did listen to this one, but I ended up alternating with print because at, with all of the locations it go and the timelines I and I I listen to a lot of audiobooks and I found myself confused at times so I'd pull out my Kindle go to the chapter and th- and see exactly who was talking a lot of the names can be a little confusing but this is if you if you're looking for a thriller that's very international this this goes from Syria to Belgium to France to Sweden to Virginia to Afghanistan. Um, It's very quick. Like I Am Pilgrim, also, you have to pay attention to follow this story. I do recommend, if you're going to try audio, I definitely recommend having a print copy. And also, keep in mind that this is a very realistic thriller set in war zones. Um, A lot of the timelines had war zones. And with spies and double agents and double crossers who commit murder to prove a point or get revenge. And it was very graphic and very violent at times. So know that. I really love this. I didn't know it was um, part of a series. And now I have to figure out how I'm going to keep going because I want to keep, I'm definitely going to keep going. But this is The Swimmer by Joachim Zander. Wow. How did you find this one? I found this on one of my many Google rabbit hole searches. I was, mm-hmm. I was looking for, I told you my mood, I was in the mood for international crime. Got it. Like Nordic noir thrillers. And this came up in, in one of my searches. I have no idea because the title is odd, mm-hmm. but he liked to swim. The the CIA spy. And so that's where that, that came perfect. from. It sounds like it hit your, your... Oh, it gave me the, it gave me, and I was so excited to be able to share this because there's so many of us waiting, waiting on Terry Hayes to write that next book who loved (laughs) I Am Pilgrim. And so I think I can, I think I can confidently say this book will give you those vibes. You know, it's not that it's at necessarily that level, but still. Did I tempt you, Tina? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Come on. That's okay. Someday I'll Nothing get Nothing against you. The book sounds good a, for folks that like thriller. that sort of plot. All right. My Shelf Edition. Okay, you guys, I'm sorry for all the rom-coms, but listen, I was in the mood <laughs> hey, for them, okay. okay? It's your mood. Oh, You're allowed. I know. I know. You're right. This was our mood episode, so I'm allowed. My Shelf Edition is Queen Move by Kennedy Ryan. And the reason that this got on my radar is because of Emily Henry, the author's Instagram. She made a post about a book recommendation circle. So basically, in the Instagram comments of this post, you can say a book that you love and people left suggestions for other books you might like if. So somebody wrote Seven Days in June, and this book was a comp for that. So I'm like, okay, well, let me see what it's about. Okay. This is a second chance love story that also tackles issues like family, religion, 
gender and racial disparity. And they called this book Sexy and Angsty. Which I'm like, I kind of, well, yeah, okay. So <laughs> the characters, they were friends. They grew up, they were infants together, and their families were said to be closer than blood until something tragic happened that tore them apart. And now it's 20 years later. The characters are getting back reintroduced to each other. Somehow they have a, you know, a meeting again. And she's finding that her awkward duckling best friend from childhood, the one that nobody noticed, is now a man that no one can ignore. I'm like, okay, like tell me a little bit more. I feel like I'll always be interested in something that has a seven days in June comp. So I thought mm-hmm. this is worth adding to the list. It's called Queen Move by Kennedy Ryan. I've never heard of that. Okay. Be excited to hear if that if you think that comp works out. It's always risky, right? Comps are right. always risky. I know. So I know. It, I it try is. to use them sparingly. I do too. I hope and you know, I, I do. I know it is risky to do a comp, but all right, report back. Okay. You got all it. right. My shelf edition is in my wheelhouse. Totally. It's called This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. Comes out May 17th. And it's been named a most anticipated book of 2022 by Harper's Bazaar, Oprah, Glamour, Entertainment Weekly, Good Housekeeping, Bustle, Pop Sugar, and more and more and more. So the little snippet for this one is what if you could take a vacation to your past? And I know you probably say no, but I say yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the eve of her 40th birthday, Alice's life is, isn't terrible. She has a good job. She She's living a happy life, although it isn't exactly the one she expected. She has an apartment. She has a romantic status. She has independence and a lifelong best friend. But her father is sick, and she feels like something is missing. So she happens to wake up the next morning and finds herself back in 1996, reliving her 16th birthday. But it isn't just her young body that shocks her or seeing her high school crush. It's her dad who's back to full health, charming, and only 40-something. And she gets to be reunited with him. So she also is able to, what it sounds like, she knows what happens. And she has that future perspective while she's in her 16-year-old body. So the question becomes... Is there anything that she would change if she could based on having the future knowledge? And, and I don't, I, I love the sound of this. And that's This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. That one sounds good. Yeah. I bet that'll be everywhere in a couple of months. I know. I know. I don't think I've read that author either. Have you? I haven't. No, but I know her. I know the name. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah people read her. Okay. Well, <laughs> people read her. Great. Riveting, <laughs> riveting commentary. I think she's popular. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you'd like access to the exclusive bonus content that we mentioned before, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash etc. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. 
Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. I hope I'm funny today. I don't know if I'm <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>